This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him. And I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum P.I. is what yeah. we named him. No idea. Just but, a magnum. Yeah, just a magnum. Come on, Cam, last year, we said probably 150, mid-150. Yeah. Same Doe from the morning come out with that nine-pointer. Here, here steps out this 90-inch eight-pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there grunting. Yeah. And then out steps like another 90-inch eight-pointer. Yeah. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, I'm like, deer, right there. Yeah, like And he's 30 already yards. 30 yards. Yeah. He, he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been at a buck down at 1.40 in the afternoon back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 2.45, 24 yards shot, sent the combat veteran. And I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you kill that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. We come down here to Missouri. My ass Comey one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops. Sure. Super special to me. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. This is the Whitetail Legacy Podcast coming in your ear holes on this beautiful Wednesday. And uh, we got we got a kind of a bigger name on for this podcast. This mm-hmm. guy is pretty well known. Um, and he's been on a lot of podcasts. And he graced his presence to ours, little podunk one. And mm-hmm. um, I think we're going to talk about maybe something that he hasn't talked about before. That was my main thing. He's talked a lot of tactics, a lot of betting, a lot of figuring out where the bucks are. But I don't know if he's covered this topic anywhere that i've seen you know what i mean so yeah i think this would be interesting now let's get into the people that make this possible we'll get in the show do you have the vip broadhead yeah vip broadheads uh 
These broadheads store their own energy to deploy their blades, allowing the kinetic, kinetic energy to stay high. Um, and that's also going to give you some straight line penetration when you compound that with their variable blade cutting width for uh, that pass-through performance that these broadheads are known for. So uh, you can scoop up your own pack there at VeteranIP.com. Give the VIP shout-out. Yeah, this week's shout-out is going to be Stacy McGruder. Um, Stacy has just signed up to be a part of the Army, and she's going to be starting her training next fall or uh, late summer. So um, congrats to Stacy, and uh, we hope you are safe, and we appreciate you signing up to uh, be a part of the Army. Yeah, I appreciate that, signing that dotted line so guys like us don't have to be able to do this podcast. Huge respect to that. Um, I got the Exodus Trail Cam Tip of the Week. Um, it's late season, and uh, it's like real late season, man. It's, if you ain't got cold weather, it's kind of tough out there. But just for all the late season guys, it seems simple, but uh, make sure you pull all those cams off of the scrapes, off of those pinch points, travel corridors, and get them around some food. Um, just see what you got left. Even if it's nighttime, you get to see what survived. It's worth the intel. We have a bunch out around food sources right now, and uh, they're slow, but – we get to see what survived and what we potentially can hunt next year. So you want to put those cams on. I like to, I don't like to put them on the edge of the field. I like to put them on the trails to the field. If you do want to um, just get intel solely, put it on the field. And if you can bait, put some bait out there. You'll get the intel of what made it. We can't bait in this state. And if we could bait late season or after season, it'd be awesome because you'd know exactly what deer made it through the season right away. Because mm-hmm. if you put a pile of corn out there this time of year, they might hit it at night, but they're going to hit it, plain and simple. You know what I mean? They're not going to not go to it because yeah. they need those that energy, those carbs in this in this cold weather. So Yeah, I think this time is uh, very vital to knowing what made it, seeing what's going to be out there next year, hopefully. And, um, a lot of people are, you know, we'll just say limping a trail cam through season, you know, but, uh, if you guys get on to an Exodus, uh, trail camera, you got that five-year warranty, you just leave that puppy out there and you know, for five years that it's going to be backed up by the Yeah, that's so. what we got. We still got them out there hanging. And if anything happens to them in the cold weather, something fries, we know we're solid and we, you know, we're going to get a replacement cam. So they're out there running. Like I said, we can't bait, or they would. I'd have bait piles at every one. Of them. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like right. we would know what was out there. But we got some on public, some on private, and we're just trying to find a survivor to hunt and just a survivor to say, "Hey, here's a buck potentially next year we can try to locate." So um, don't give up on the trail cams. Still time to use them. Um, and uh, I mean, if you can get one on a late a bed to food pattern late season, you get a cold front. That's everybody says that's the best time to to kill. So. All right, let's get into the show. All right, guys, we got a special guest on. Um, Dan Infault has graced us with his time tonight. Um, how you doing tonight, man? Pretty good. How you doing? I'm doing great. Well, I know you've been on a ton of podcasts, and I really appreciate you coming on ours. Um, I think you are probably the most well-known hunter we've ever had on this podcast. Yeah. And we've had, what, we got 200-and-something episodes? Or... I don't know how many we got. 160 yeah. yeah. So, um, we wanted to have you on and uh, you know cover cover a topic that something that we see a lot, even with the guy you know your posts. It seems like the same guys consistently kill, and uh, we talk about it with our friends quite a bit. And it just seems like there's killers and there's people that really try really really hard and get it done every now and then and you hunt with enough of different people and hear enough stories and get enough messages that there's got to be some 
deciding factor of what you know makes a guy successful year after year and the guy that gets it done every three or four years so yeah for sure i mean you can kind of see when you uh get around a group of hunters uh, you know just about all of them hunt all the time and you know we're all addicted to it right but you see an aura around the guys that just uh you know are the real killers you know yeah, they got something going on that most, you know, hunters don't. And I don't know yeah. if it's they just been in more encounters with deer to learn more about it or because I feel like once you get to a certain stage, the same guys are just, you know, just like you, Dave, I mean, the same guys are over and over consistently killing in high-pressure states or public land. And once they get the knack, it doesn't – it's not something that they have for five years and then disappears, you know what I mean? It's something that they have – consistently throughout their life yeah you know there's there's uh two kinds of guys that get it done now there's uh the guys that buy it and the guys that you know get it done even in their home areas and stuff you know they don't you know anybody can go travel around with a lot of money and go kill them in iowa or ohio or you know but um not to say those are bad places but i'm saying when you do it in your own backyard and you're consistent and you're consistently better than the people around you i think that's that's the kind of people we're referring to, correct? Yeah, yeah, those guys that, you know, you're always like, damn, that guy's got another buck. You know, there's a few in our area <laughs> that we talk to, and you're like, you know, you might go out and have a rough hunt, and this guy just killed a stud. You've been struggling for a week, you know what I mean? And then James Wheeler mm -hmm. just yeah. crashes. That's our, like, local guy. He just crashes another stud. You're like, what is going <laughs> on? You know what I mean? So there's just those guys yeah. that are like that. For sure, you know. You know, for um, I, I think what you do is you go through some stages, and some guys just don't go through the stages the same, and some guys go to get to a point where they become solid killers. But nobody starts out that way, you know. Um, for me, I mean, um, I just when I first began, I really loved hunting, and I just wanted to kill a deer. You know, then you get that deer and then you want to kill a buck, you know, and then you want to kill one with your bull. Then you want to kill a, a bigger one and then you want to kill multiple bucks and it just grows and grows and grows. And, uh, there's some things that have to happen along the way. Number one, you have to be successful, you know, and you have to be confident in, in what you're doing And that confidence comes kind of with the success, but you know, it takes a certain attitude and it takes a certain type of person who thinks outside of the box and is always thinking in the back of his head what his next move is and stuff. I think a lot of guys just go out and hunt and think, you know, if I spend enough time out here, you know, I'll get a deer. And they just rotate through the same stands over and over. Maybe they're good stands. But that isn't what kills deer, you know, big bucks consistently. Kill them consistently takes a guy that that's there's a driving force in him. He really, really wants it, you know. Yeah, that's something we see too. And it's the guy, you know. There's some guys that we know that around here that have phenomenal ground, and they get it done every now and then. And then you know, the guy like James Wheeler, he's not hunting phenomenal ground. He just wants it. You know, what I mean, so bad. Just like mm -hmm. us, you know. What I mean, I've killed the last seven years. And it's just, you just gotta, you just want it so bad that you just, if you don't kill, I know it sounds, seems bad, you know what I mean? But you just, you're like, the season is a failure and it's not a failure 
because you learn, but you're fi- you feel like you failed yourself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You get to a point where, like you said, you you want to kill, you know, a deer, and I was there, and then you want to kill a buck. You know what I mean? And then now everybody says you get to the stage where you kill a few nice ones, and then you move on. You get to like the trophy stage where you want to kill like a five year old. I'm not. I don't know if I'll ever like transition to that stage. It just, I just want to kill, you know what I mean? I just want to kill bucks. And if one gets me excited, I just kill them. You know, I killed the smallest buck with my bow this year on public land that I've killed in five or six years. And I was like super chat. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just right when I seen him, I told homie, I said, I'm killing him. Like, you know, instantly seeing him, I'm killing him. You know what I mean? And then a five minutes later after a stare off and stuff and we, you know, you end up killing and then I knew it. There was no grounds. People say, "Oh, there's ground shinkers." I thought there's nothing. I knew exactly what that deer was right. when I shot him. I choose to shot him, and I'm super jacked. You know what I mean? The whole entire time. And people we talk to that have maybe even less deer than I've shot, they're like, "Well, I'm waiting on a, I'm waiting on a 160 or 170." I'm like, I just can't do that yet. I, I don't know. I well, got. I, th- I think th- I think what the, what that is is they're waiting for a deer that satisfies everybody else let alone themselves and um getting back to what dan was saying you know i think the separation between you and i i think you're better than me is you think outside the box more than i do and that's something that i'm picking up and learning from you so i think that's a great a great tip yeah thinking outside the box is key whether what we always say whatever it takes you know what i mean and most of the time, it's, we, <laughs> it's every bit of whatever it's it takes. every bit of whatever it takes, and then now we're saying there's always next year. <laughs> That's our new slogan that we trademarked this year. Because <laughs> we this year, you know, you hunt as you hunt as hard as you possibly can, and you 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 got all this intel, and you learned stuff from last year, and you go in, you know, first of November, late October, you're feeling like, oh, yeah, it's for sure. And then now it's December, and you're licking your wounds like, man, I got my ass handed to me this year. So. Yeah. But uh, it's good to have those years. It makes you, like, next year, I'm like, I can't let the same thing happen this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you hunt with – One of the, one of the big uh, things about, about me is that uh, I keep that glass half full, and I don't think that's something that you can teach a person or that they can really learn, but – I've always got this attitude that um, um, I'm winning. You know what I mean? Even when I'm losing. <laughs> so I can go out 10 days in a row and hunt and not see a deer and go out the 11th and say, well, man, I'm getting way closer because I've just done 10 days and I know he's not in those 10 spots. Damn, that's where yeah, for sure. I look around at the guys around me and they're like, Man, I just went ten days without seeing a deer. This sucks. It's too hot out. The, there's no food source. You know, it's this problem, that problem, and they're down in the dumps, and they're not thinking about you know the next move and stuff correctly because they're bringing themselves down. It's it's keeping and maintaining that positive attitude. I mean, I can remember um, when you're going after a specific deer in a low density where you go, you know, fifteen twenty deer uh, sits without seeing a deer. And, you know, I'm talking outside of the rut, you know, and in low density areas. And when you do that, I mean, for some people, that's a real downer. But then again, there's some people that don't hunt that much in their whole season. So they can't probably go that long without seeing a deer. But um, 
that that maintaining that attitude i think is really important that's yeah. something we struggle with i think we you know we go into it just fired up as hell and then <laughs> 10 hunts in we're like oh <laughs> and it like we took we took 16 days off and hunted every day consistently you know packing in to public and after a legendary deer and a bunch of other really solid deer and we just weren't seeing the deer move and every day you're like man i, I sit all day and seen three deer i'm just absolutely trash out here you know what i mean and yeah it's just like that post you posted is you know when like the last post and you've seen the possum you know mm -hmm. what i mean and we were hunting that one day and I seen that mink yeah and that like made my day I was like shit dude you never see a mink you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean trotting along and it just comes yeah. back to loving I feel like the guys that consistently get it done just love hunting like they just love it core deeply that whether they seen a deer killed a deer whatever they're still gonna wake up tomorrow when another guy could be like, man, it's going to be 58 in the morning. Like, mm. I'm not going to go. Yeah, and see, that's what we've talked about, you know, loving that plan B process, loving that bullshit that you have to deal with every day, them slow hunts, mm -hmm. getting up there, love hanging that bottom stick, and you're on the hillside and you're on the high side of the tree. You love hanging that stick and getting up there and, you know, just doing that process is what you have to learn to love in order to keep going and to become that next level in yeah. the stage of hunting. Yeah, you know, it, it's different because uh, I'm listening to you guys talk, and, and I think there was a point when I was at that stage where it was just all about killing another deer, you know, and uh, I, I'm probably past that now, and it's probably affecting me because now I don't care as much as if I kill something. I'm, I'm more about... Uh, just enjoying the hunt and and i almost kind of like a struggle <laughs> you know what i mean uh, and, and you probably you probably do because you probably see it in my posts and videos and stuff but i actually mm -hmm. like to work for it you know because i get offers to go all over the place and, and hunt giant deer and stuff where you know on, on people's private land and stuff and i usually pass it up it's not to say i always do but it's fun to just go you know, into the public swamp where everybody else goes and pick the cherry. Yeah, I I can see myself. I was just telling you about that, you know, this year. I'm like, I could see myself in 10 years just being a ground hunter. And, like, I told I told homie, he's my podcast partner, I said, when my son starts hunting, I want to get a recurve, but I'm going to do completely opposite of what everybody else does. When my son's smashing forked horns, I'm going to smash forked horns. <laughs> <laughs> and then start my transition all over, you know, with We're gonna him. We're going to start the buck journey together. Yeah, start the yeah. buck journey again with him. You know what I mean? I think that would be just so, so cool where a guy goes from trying to kill, you know, like a giant and he's obsessive and then he just goes back to, yeah, you go in after this deer, I'm going to sit on the ground about 200 yards from the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. And if a forked horn comes by, I want to be jacked. You know yeah. what I mean? And just like we have a buddy, Nick right. Brown, and he's at that stage now where – it's more about he'll go out and just sit on the ground, and he's texting me, man, i seen a button buck and a doe, and a spike buck was running around. He's just absolutely jack, you know, and I'm over there, and I've seen a decent buck chasing does, and I'm like, man, today is kind of junk, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's just a different mentality that you get. And, and I also think that comes with age, and, you know, just like you were saying, Dan, just getting older into the process and it advancing um, appreciation – 
is is a more of a factor at that point in time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think about, um, you know, how I started out hunting and, um, you know, just wanted to get a deer and not having really any mentors and running around at the woods doing everything wrong, flinging arrows, 50, 60 yards of deer, you know, and chasing them. And, you know, you know, as a young kid and, uh, finally getting an arrow and a deer. I remember that more vividly than, than a lot of the big bucks I've shot, you know, that, that little six pointer I shot, you know, the first one I got with my bow. And, you know, I remember how magical it was to just go out there and see these deer and the excitement and stuff. And you start, you know, you, once you start killing deer and you start killing big deer, you kind of lose track of that. Like, uh, we posted a video today with, um, you know, um, one, one of the new guys that's in the group, Josh, and he posted his, his wife, who's a new hunter kind of, um, and she shot a button buck and it was amazing to listen to these people go, Oh, button buck. And they can't get over the fact that she shot a button buck. I mean, but didn't we all at some point in our careers? Yeah. Didn't we start there? You know, and when I look at my kids, when they came into hunting, that was a real eye opener for me. You talk about your kids are younger than mine and you're, you're dreaming about when you get to be hunting. Like I did, I, I couldn't wait till my kids were following me in my shoe, shoes, you know? And when my kids got to the age of hunting, I noticed that they didn't want to shoot little bucks. They wanted to, you know, shoot these big bucks and start right away in there. And they didn't have that enjoyment that I had, you know, that magical thing. Cause they, I don't know, it was just different, you know, but that, uh, you can't lose, lose, uh, focus on that, uh, what hunting's all about, you know? Yeah. Um, I have two kids also, Cody has three and, um, my wife has actually been talking these past few years about, um, hunting more outside of the gun season and actually getting into bow hunting. So, um, I've, I've taken that next step with her and next year she's going to be out there, um, with the bow. And I told her, I said, if you pass up anything that's in range, you know, just for your first deer, I said, if you pass up anything in range, I said, you're messing up. You, like you just need to get that experience and you need to get that thrill and really just soak in the whole process of going out there, setting up, hunting, and getting on the other end of, you know, standing over a deer. Yeah. You, you know, I know a lot of guys who um, really wanted to be the big buck hunter, they had never shot a big buck, and they would hold out for years for this giant buck they're going to get, you know, mm-hmm. and pass everything. And I'll tell you what. Um, they're not very easy to kill when you get them in range, especially if they're like pressured or public land bucks or something, you know, where, where they've got some, um, um, bad events that taught them some lessons. Uh, and when they get that buck in front of them, they can't kill it because they haven't learned how to kill. Yeah. You know, um, what, what made me a good buck hunter when I was young is when I was even younger, I was a killer. I killed a ton of deer. We lived off of deer meat, you know, um, that's what made me a great hunter. Um, at least in my eyes, what made me a solid killer of bigger bucks is I made my way up to that point. I didn't try to jump in that immediately and start killing bucks right off the bat that are giants. You know, there was years of, of smaller bucks and people are trying to skip the process and they're trying to skip the path that takes you there. 
Yeah, I could believe that 100%. Homie had the same thing. He's seen his dad kill an absolute giant, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of other people are on the farm killing big deer. His brother's killing big deer, you know what I mean? So he automatically went into the big deer killing phase when I was in the stage of, I can't count the number of forked horns and six-pointers that I killed in Missouri with a rifle, with a bow, you know, muzzleloader, just just killing a lot of deer, like numbers, you know what I mean? And then when you get that moment where it's make or break, it's just like anybody else. When you're on the free throw line, you know, for the first time trying to <laughs> get hit that free throw, you're like, oh, shit, this is pretty tough, you know what I mean? But you've yep. shot 100 free throws, you're like, oh, this is no big deal. I got it, you know what I mean? So right. definitely is something about that when – and I feel like a lot of people are – you know, it's awesome for your kid to kill a, a giant, but like a lot of kids are killing 180s first deer, 160s first deer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eh, it's cool. And yeah. it, I, I, I will not let my kid do it. I will shoot that deer right in front of him <laughs> and be like, all right, next six pointer is yours, man. There's going to be a six pointer right after this one. <laughs> you got to earn this thing, man. I've been out here for years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, and maybe I'll change and be like, I'm going to let you have it. But I'm more than likely, I'm going to swack that thing right in front of him. And, I mean, I know it's been said everywhere else, you know, social media, is, I think, is playing a big part into this. But, just like you said, Dan, you know, people are trying to skip this step into the process. But if you go out there and kill a six-pointer or a basket eight, like, you don't have to post it. Yeah. You don't have to post it for everybody right. to see. You can just go out there, kill, fill the freezer, have a good hunt, have a good year, mm-hmm. and just advance and put that knowledge because you've got another, you know, full draw under your belt. You've got another blood trail. you got another successful hunt under you know your what, belt. Though? I, I, I kind of feel like, uh, you know, what? go ahead and be proud. Post it. Post a picture. You know, what we can do is uh, instead of uh, – having all the hate we can ban the people that post the hate yeah for sure we have <laughs> you know, people we have I mean, people message us all the time people and, you know mm-hmm. yeah they message us all the time and it's you know it's their first big deer and it's a basket eight or something and i we shower them with joy because you remember your first buck oh yeah like your, your first solid buck like you thought you've mm-hmm. done something you know what i mean and too many people out there that are like oh you know that's probably a two-year-old or who cares i don't know how many people this year Mentioned my buck being a two or three year old, and I said, "I know, I know, it was a three year old." But, but the funny thing is, like this guy's in Kansas. Yeah, like this like, deer is never going to be yeah, around you, yeah. bro. You know, you killed a three year old, right? Yeah, a hundred percent sure. It might have been a two and a half year old. I don't really care. <laughs> and I get a lot of slack because I killed a giant a couple years ago, and then they're like, "Well, you're going downhill." I'm like, "What? There's no." There's no uphill down here. It's just it's a straight line of whatever you want it to be. And then when you're ready to up the level on the stairmaster, you click the damn button and you go up a level. You know what I mean? That's that's yeah. what I think. If if you want to kill you, you, Go ahead. You know, all these people um are always like, You can't kill bucks like that or we won't have any big ones. Well if everybody killed big ones You'd have to kill bigger ones to outdo me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm gonna start saying. Bucks. I wanted everybody to kill bigger deer than me, so I'm just making sure I can nail that. You guys should feel really solid about yourself. You know what I mean? It's, you know, you know what a guy's saying when he says your your buck ain't big enough. He's saying I'm a better hunter than you. It's his way of putting you down to make himself feel better. Yeah, that's and all I, it is. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like a lot it's of people really, are, they're the bad person. Just even. You know, you know, they got to get over that and 
you know, you know, they're the people who are the problem, not yeah. us. I mean, I, I am just tickled pink when one of the guys in my group shoots a six or seven pointer or something. One of the guys that doesn't have a lot of deer, or maybe he does and he just wants to shoot one. I don't really care. That ain't for me to decide, you know, that's for them. Everybody has their own hunt. And, you, you know, even me the other day, that post you're talking about where I was hunting and the uh, um, possum came out and the eagle flew by. Yeah. I was thinking when that deer was coming, you know, what if it comes out and it's a 80 or 90 inch, 80 pointer? It's my last day. Ooh, man. You know, <laughs> maybe I'd just pop them. Yeah. You know, just, <laughs> why not? <laughs> How many times have we but, said we uh, need to go out and kill a forked horn with a with a crossbow <laughs> just to stir the pot yeah. and post it like, look at this! <laughs> <laughs> people would lose their mind. Yeah. We don't have a very like a huge following, but we have enough where people would be like, "What did these guys just do?" Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> just to be like, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Yeah, I, I remember uh, when the first uh, Dan Fitzgerald videos came out. He was like the first guy that really started just putting videos out like crazy of lots of kills and nothing was on TV or anything back in those days. And it was like, like so amazing to sit there and stare at that and see deer get killed. And it was just one little tiny buck after another. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. Just stacking them up like cordwood out there. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But if, if a giant buck did come out, that guy was a stone cold, oh yeah, you know, killer. You know, a hundred times. He'd be like, "Oh, shit, you know, yeah. this ain't no big deal." So, but it, it's just you know, just like we keep saying over and over, it's part of the process, and you just got to pick it up and put it down. And I don't know how many hunts I said this year, just like you said earlier, Dan, is we're now a minute closer to seeing a deer because I haven't seen a deer in the last five. Yeah, I'm a minute closer to seeing a deer. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And, and that's part of my process. And maybe that's what helps me there is I like, uh, you know, like if I find a target buck and, and that's what I got to do in a lot of cases, because in, in pressured areas, there ain't a lot of them around. So I find an area that's got a buck I want to go after. And what I do is I hunt that buck down. So I just, I go through the area trying to figure out where he's hiding, where nobody will find him. And I just keep hunting spots after spots. And in my mind, I'm thinking he's running out of spots he could be. You know, I've gone through him. He's, if he's hiding here somewhere, so I'm going to run into him. Yeah, that's you one know, thing I really do I like about all the spots down. About watching your stuff is you're always moving and you're outlaying kind of what you're doing and you're saying, well, we're going to go try this island. We're going to go try this point, you know, and if we don't, he's not there, we're going to go over here. We took that this year. We're like, well, we never. We have no idea about this area, but we're going in there. <laughs> Maybe he's in there, you know what I mean? And then you go in there, and you're like, well, that was kind of trash. You know, not to go back in there, you know what I mean? So um, we definitely took some of those strategies and tried to weasel it down. But we, we had a lease, and we lost it, so we were 100% public land pretty much all year. And uh, definitely I I hunted private and killed a lot of deer, and I've hunted public. Now, you know, I've hunted a public on and off, and then I hunted public solely this year. And I tell people, and people just don't believe me, but they're just, it's just a different creature than a private land deer. They spook easier. They see you in the tree easier. I, I just, we get busted so much (laughs) with shit you know you would get away with. I don't think it's so much like us. It's just, 
like other hunters setting up and you know what they want to hunt is good for them and it's blowing to where we're trying to hunt yeah and i think it's you know the two hunters are basically crossing paths and the deer are in between and you know we're hearing them blow and we're like well no way they're blowing at us but you know they are blowing and they are in the yeah. proximity of us so you know it just kind of puts it down on the hunt you know mm-hmm. We didn't have a, I don't think we had a hunt in that area that <laughs> no, a deer didn't blow at. No. So a no de- we deer did yet not blow. Probably, <laughs> probably have a hunt there. It's that just, day there's, blow. there's big bucks in there and we've killed them there, but man, yeah. the does are their blowers. They, they will blow. They, they know what's up. <laughs> yeah. They know what's up for sure. The does are probably tougher to kill there bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so we've kind of covered, you know, you gotta, you gotta have a positive outlook. You gotta love, love hunting and you know what was the what was the last thing we just covered just killing yeah just just gotta kill you know get used to killing is there anything else you could add to that pile that you know um you know um uh aggressiveness that's a big one so um the guy's either gonna be the kind of guy who he's um who he um uh, is too passive so worried about spooking the buck, he sits back a little, tries to inch his way in, try, tries to make little moves. Um, every time I try hunting like that, that deer's on to me before I can kill him. And and then it's, it's like the proverbial slapped him on the ass and told him it's game on and then try to kill him, you know. Um, for me, it's like going in for the kill right away. That first time in is your best shot to catch him off guard. And uh, you got to make aggressive moves. You're not going to kill them by sitting back. Those bucks just get like that little tight window that they move in in daylight. And you got to slip in there and, and kill them. And if you sit too far back, he's going to figure out he's being hunted and it just ain't going to work out for you. Um, and the guys that got that aggressive go get them attitude are the ones that get them. You know, I can think of guys I know that don't get a lot of big bucks will tell me, Man, I it's one really good stand. I keep seeing this buck over in the other tree line. I've seen him three times over there. You know, I wish he'd come over here. Well, why ain't you moving? Well, there ain't a good tree over there. I'd find a way to go over there. You know, and, and it wouldn't be three hunts later. It'd be the next day. You know, um, it, that aggressive attitude is, is huge. Yeah, that's something we did, and that's how I was able to kill this year. We seen a buck do something. We moved in there, and there's another shooter buck on the exact same trail doing the exact same thing that the buck the morning before was doing, and we killed. There was 70 inches in between <laughs> difference between the one yeah. buck that yeah. we seen and the one buck that we killed, but still, you know what I mean? Yeah. But if you if you see a, a you know a buck that you would want to shoot do big buck things, and you know you encountered him, he was just too far. After he does that one time, especially during an encounter, you're making the move and trying to get to where to in front of what he was doing. Right, I, I'm under the belief that a mature buck doesn't do anything on accident. Everything he's doing is a calculated move. He's doing it for a reason. So to ignore that and just think it's randomness, um, you're shooting yourself in the foot. So you got to think about the whys, what the wind is doing, well, you know, 
um, why you'd be going over there. Is there a food source? Is there does over there? What's going on? And it goes back to what I was saying earlier about how you're always thinking about that next move. You know, um, and another thing is too, I mean, I've done like studies on uh, the deer I've killed and stuff. And it's funny because um, when you kill those nice deer, like you're talking about, uh, you'd shoot a nice deer every year over chasing giants and getting them every now and then. When I, when I shoot those nice deer, the, the average, you know, two, two or three year olds, you know, occasional four or something. But when you get those, I, I'll get those out of uh, the stands are in a good spot. The funnels, the spots will go over to, you know, where I sit this uh, spot that comes out of a bedding area and I can sit there year after year after year and shoot a nice buck coming out of there. But when I get the giants, like I, I think the, the top 10 bucks that I'd call mature, I think only one of them came from one of the type spots. Almost every one of them, I had to go to a spot that was screwed up that nobody would ever hunt, an overlooked type spot. Those big bucks have a knack of finding spots where no one goes. And my success on those really big bucks has been my aggressiveness to set up in the just strangest places you'd ever seen because that's where you need to be. Yeah, we're, we're kind of seeing that as, you know, we get into really targeting the bigger deer as um, – they are moving with a purpose and whether it's on trail cam or during an encounter or, you know, whatever the case may be that we have Intel from them, they are definitely going somewhere with a purpose. And and being aggressive is something that I I talked about on this podcast of me doing this year that I hadn't done in the past. When I had that private ground, it was a very small, it was 19 acres, but I had it figured out to a T and I can, consistently kill out of three stands and they were really good stands and I killed a lot of deer out of those three stands and then I you know I lost that piece and then you're kind of starting over and then going to public land if you are not aggressive on public land you're not you you're not going to kill I've done it I've set the edge stuff tried to hunt it like I was hunting the private ground and it's just kind of it's like I said it's just a different game where you have to outwork the deer. You have to outwork the other people. You got to try to think out of the side of the box. And then a lot of times we kick ourselves in the ass because we think outside of the box. Like this year, we were going to go in and do kind of a sit and observe hunt and sit this area just on the ground and where we knew we weren't get winded. But we'd be able to see a huge area and figure out if this buck is is in this, you know, in this area. And we just didn't do it because it was so not used to what we were. We have, you know, we got to be out Mm -hmm. of a stand. We got to be, you know, we got to do this. We got to do that. And then after we had the encounter with them and we got all the trail cams off the piece and we put the pieces together, we realized that the spot that we were going in there, we're going to go in there and sit on the ground is where he was spending 80% of his time. You know what I mean? But it was just so taboo for us to do. We were like, ah, we, that was the plan for like 30 minutes. We were like, yeah, this is what we're doing. We're going to go in there. <laughs> and then we were like, ah, yeah. nah, we can't do that. You know what I mean? And there's always a scare of bumping the deer. But then, you know, we, we got burned and figured it out real quick. You do all this stuff to not bump a deer. You're like, man, I can't do that. I'll bump him. I'll bump him. And then two days later, 
a guy's shoulder shoots a buck out there and tracks through everything that this deer's in mm-hmm. and 100% right. bump that deer. You know what I mean? And you could have went in there right. and already had two hunts on him before that guy even showed up if you weren't, you know, Pussy foot on yeah, the edge. scared. You know what I mean? And and we did push it this year, but we didn't push it far enough. And no, yeah. Right. I'm going to say, just talking to Dan here, I'm just like, just need to go to the hot corner, just get in there, screw them other guys. Yeah. We need to be there, get back in that bullshit. And, yeah. you know, just the stuff that just do it. you know he's in, but it's just so, you'd be like eight foot off the ground in some weird tree and it'd be terrible, but you'd probably kill him. Like, that's that's the spot that you would kill him mm-hmm. in. Because we yeah. know he's there, but you walk in there, you're like, I just don't know how I would. I would shoot 15 yards here. That's my max. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's where he's at, daylight on cam. You know what I yeah. mean? So we know he's there. It's just like you got to train your brain to say, okay, I got to do some radical stuff right now that I'm not used to at all. And if 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 you're not successful, you're going to be a huge dumb shit. But if you are, you're going to feel like a legend. <laughs> you're like, man, I knew exactly what I had going on. <laughs> <laughs> you got and, any? And that's the thing. I mean, uh, you see some of those crazy hunts that I do, where I, you know, I shoot bucks out of a little spindly tree or whatever. Yeah. And, and guys think, oh my god, that's amazing! I, I'm going to do that. And they go out and do it a couple times, and they feel like an idiot because yeah. they don't get <laughs> Believe, believe me, there are plenty more hunts you've never seen where I sat there and nothing came in, <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you wonder, is this? Am I an idiot? You know. <laughs> but you know, a lot of times. That's the stuff that you know. You know those weird out of the place spots, like next to a parking lot or something, that look like you. You think there's something holding there. Most of the time, I don't see a deer. But when I do, it's usually the giant. You know, not the nice buck or you know a lot of deer. But that's where you see the really big stuff. They just have a knack for finding places where nobody goes, and people don't go there because they feel like an idiot hunting there. You know. Yeah, I mean, we kind of, this October was actually pretty phenomenal. And I'm not saying phenomenal as far as deer number sightings, but just as far as going into the hunt as high as we felt our odds were during the hunt. And we had some of them odd scenario places that we hunted. And uh, we just had some intel that we felt like we needed to be there. And we didn't we didn't see very many deer during these hunts but we knew if we seen deer it was going to be the right deer that we wanted to target and kill and um i think that is one thing that really accelerated our october is we just were having you know super high odd hunts and next thing we know is october's you know it's the last week of october and we're we're getting ready to go on vacation for the rut but um just, just like you said, it, sometimes them oddball places is where you get it done, and it's not about seeing a high number deer. It's about seeing the right deer to get it done. Right. Right. And that's a, the that's a thing, too, It's a lot of guys um, have need that security blanket of seeing a lot of deer. Mm-hmm. Where, like I said, I mean, I can go sit after sit after sit and not see a deer. But I'm going to see more big bucks than the guy that's out there seeing a ton of deer because he's hunting in, you know, food or, you know, uh, heavy heavy traffic funnels or whatever. I'm going to see a lot less deer than that guy. But I'm going to see the ones I want to see. 
Yeah, I'm 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 legit at eight hunts in a row, <laughs> and the last deer I seen was a mid one seventies, one eighties deer. Like, there's not not a lot of deer going through there, but the deer you want to yep. see at 160 yards is the deer you want to see. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just it's just part of it, and how you are um, attacking your season. Yep. You got to waste a lot of hunts knowing that you might not see it to have that one encounter. Exactly. Yeah. Which is what and we were talking about last that's week. A big, that's a big part of success too, is literally you just have to have enough hours out there. I mean, you still got, you still got to make some right decisions and you, and you got to take some chances and you still got to be aggressive. But a lot of it has to do with putting enough hours in there too. I mean, I get contacted by a lot of guys that say, well, I've only got about 10 days a year I can hunt. What can I do to up my odds? Well, 10 days a, a season. I mean, I burn up 10 days in the first 10 days, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, if you're hunting pressured land, you gotta, you gotta throw some hunts at it. And, and that's not to say a guy should give up his family time or anything else. He should just have real realistic expectations. You know, you're not going to shoot something as big as a guy that's out there hunting, uh, you know, uh, 80 days in a season. If you're hunting 10, if all there is to it. Yeah, it's time to beat. It's hard to beat time and stand, let alone killing, but just learning, seeing deer do stuff. You know what I mean? And the more time you put out there, you just everything is in your brain. Like, oh shit, there's, you know, you sit here for three days and you're like, well, I've seen a buck over here. Guy sits there for one day, doesn't see anything. You just learned so much more about that property. He edged this corner. Shit, I need to. Yeah, not only that, you're seeing you're seeing live time what's going on. So much changes in a week. Every week of the season, the patterns change so much that you got to be on top of things. So, I mean, even like like me, I'll go on an out-of-state hunt um, for a week. I come back, I'm lost. Okay, where is everything? What's what's going on now? you got to figure everything back out because you, you haven't been seeing where the new rubs are popping up. You haven't been seeing where the tracks are showing up. You haven't been seeing sightings of the deer. You know, um, all that changes in a week. If you're a weekend warrior, it's hard. You know, getting out um, um, almost daily is, is, is huge. You know, another thing is spreading out too thin. So if you hunt 20 different properties and you're all over the place, then you never get that grasp of what's going on on one property, you know? Yeah, that's one thing we've said is, you know, all it takes is one picture of one giant on one property. And then next thing you know, this guy's got, you know, eight, ten different properties and he just vacates it to where he could have, you know, probably double bucked, you know, an instance here in Illinois. He could have double bucked on that property, but he just after this one mythical creature that he had two times on trail cam mm-hmm. and now he's missed out on all that opportunity chasing nothing and what we've learned you know. is a lot of people bank a lot on trail cams and man it they're great but we get we got the same buck a mile and a half away at, at night and then a mile the other direction in midday and then back by us they just move so much on during the rut and stuff you can't a trail cam is great early season i feel like late season but the rest of it i think i think it's good all year it's just a matter of you can't you you have to be realistic about a trail camera and and a lot of guys get addicted to them and i mean they they just base everything off of a trail camera but the trail cameras can come in handy too um you can get patterns on and some deer i mean when you get into older class deer and you can 
six, seven-year-old deer, a lot of times they're like little home bodies and they got one little tiny little spot that even if you find it and you bump them, you can't even bump them out of it. They're easier deer to kill once you find them than, than a three-year-old. Because mm-hmm. a three-year-old will run two miles and then you got to go re- relocate them. <laughs> but a lot of times those mature bucks will hold up in one spot. And I mean, if you, all you have to do is get an image and know he's in that, that general area and they can be easier to hunt. So, I mean, trail cameras can be a big benefit, but you got to know how to use the intel and, and you can't get like a dick to, I see a lot of guys chase the trail cameras and where um, they're getting night pictures and stuff and they're, they'll keep hunting the area, hoping that, you know, well, one of these days he's going to come out early. Well, certainly not if you're putting all that pressure over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's something we realized is we, you know, we were kind of hunting a buck and then another guy was hunting him and he was sending his trail cam pictures of the deer he's hunting and, we're like, man, this guy is a mile away from where this deer is living and daylighting on ag, and he's hunting that like it's just going to show up in the evening. Right. You know what I mean? And I feel like a right. lot of people get stuck in that trap, you know what I mean? And then That ain't no different than finding a big rub in the woods and just setting up over top of it. Yeah. We've been no we've, idea. Yeah, we've been there before where we're like, man, this sign is, you know, you find a couple hot scrapes, <laughs> and you're like, guaranteed something's hitting this <laughs> nothing you know what i mean it's at 3 a.m yeah and then you run a trail cam on it and you're like there's no way there isn't six bucks working this area and there's one <laughs> you're like that's one deer doing all that work <laughs> yep one deer <laughs> you're like man so so we got we got time in woods just killing deer what else we got you gotta back me up here um, you get the aggressiveness. Aggressiveness. Uh, trust in the process. Yeah, um, trust in the process. Definitely stuff. Confidence is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Being confident in your set. I don't know how many times we said that. If you go in, you're like, man, I'm going to have a shit hunt. You're you're just not mentally prepared to kill in that moment. You know what I mean? No, yeah. If a giant does show up in the hunt, <laughs> you are screwed. Yeah. Your your bow's like you put your bow hook. It's in a weird spot. You're like ah, nothing's coming. You know, you're not really looking around. Maybe looking at your phone or something dumb. You know what I mean? And then instead of ten seconds, you got five seconds to make something happen. You know what I mean? So being confident, and yeah. it's so hard to do that. Go in every hunt like you're gonna kill. It's just like one of the hardest thing to do when you're on. I mean, with you hunting, you hunt way day more than we do. You know what day. I mean? So for you to go in mm-hmm. every hunt and just be like, tonight's night, tonight's night, tonight's night. <laughs> you know, we hunted 18 days. And on that 18th day, I was like, we ain't killing shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've run into a ton of hunters, even in the um, what I would have thought would be overlooked spots um, in the last year or two. I mean, as hunters are getting better and stuff. And uh, you still got to have that good attitude. You got to think, well, okay. You know, if these guys are hunting here, if there's still a big buck here, he's got to be somewhere. Where aren't these guys going? You know, and I really think that that's the main key is to have that attitude like you're thinking about uh, that deer as if it were you out there hiding. And people were trying to hunt you down. Where would you hide? That still needs the deer habitat. It still needs the stuff the deer need. There's going to be some place where nobody would look. It's where I find the bigger stuff. And uh, that's really been a key for me is to just keep thinking about where is this thing hiding? You know, what little patch is he in where nobody would look? And it really, I mean, the, the public lands I'm hunting 
most of them are pretty heavily pressured, but there's still good bucks that live live there and get through. And you got to figure that out. And they don't get to be five years old by wandering around where people are. They die pretty quick doing that, you know? So th- that's a real key thing is, is that the younger deer are the ones running through all those funnels and in, um, down those rub lines and stuff where everybody hunts. Those big deer in daylight have a little haunt, you know, off to the side where nobody looks. And that's just where you got to be. Huh. Man, it's so crazy when you break it down so simple. And, like, in your mind, you're like, duh. You know what I mean? But I'm just thinking back to our struggles this year. When we were out there, where was no one at? Literally no one. <laughs> yeah. Right where this damn deer was living. <laughs> but it, in your mind, you're like, he ain't back there. He ain't back there. He's over here. You know right. what I mean? Or or like you see on social, Dan's going out to hunt, and then, you know, he kills, and he's like, oh, it's probably some magical, magical place out there. But then, you know, <laughs> a couple of days later or so, you know, you'll break down the hunt and the setup and stuff, and he's like, Oh yeah, I was, I was where nobody was at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, it's this is where the big buck was. Yeah. Even where nobody was, was at. No, no one was there, man. I was there. There's yeah. deer there. It's exactly. cool. Oh gosh. So man, just maybe going back to the basics. You just and I think that I think that is where we get stirred up a lot. You get so into the data of like wind direction, terrain, where you know where's this guy at, and you're just not like, okay, here's a map. Here's where these hunters are, where we guarantee where they are hunting. We know 100% where these guys are going. Mm-hmm. They're not going anywhere else. No. They're not packing stands in. They're going to these four Preset. stands. Yep. You know what I mean? Let's mm-hmm. not go there. <laughs> yeah. right. I mean? Let's not go 150 yards away. It seems super dumb to say that, but all season we're like – they're in the spot we need to be in. We just got to be right on the edge to play off their win. So if something comes through, gets bumped by it. Just <laughs> super complex shit. And we could be like, just go over there. Try that. <laughs> and then that's where the yeah. deer is. That's where the deer is. Oh, God. Oh. You know, people are so, like, um, almost brainwashed or conditioned. You, you um, believe what you want to believe. And I think people want to believe that deer like live in the middle of the woods, you know, in a remote spot. And usually they're in really thick, brushy cover, which is usually on the edges, like near roads and, you know, um, edges of creeks and stuff. They're not really, they don't really live where there's trees and stuff. They don't like sun bleeding down on them, but they don't like openness. You know, they're into heavy cover. Um, and, that's just not where people envision deer. It's where they envision kicking rabbits up, you know? Um, and you got to get out of that mindset. You got to get into the mindset that they're, you, you know, you can be, some of the spots that I hunt where I've had a lot of success are 50, 75 yards off of a hiking trail where 10 people a day go up that hiking trail, you know, to access hunting or, or whatever they're doing. And the deer just live there right beside them, knowing they're there. And um, people don't get that. They think they're into some real remote spot. But where they go to get to remote, everybody goes there. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we've seen that this year with a buck, that buck that was bedded right by the field edge. Mm-hmm. We were like, we were sitting there and we heard something like coughing. 
And then we were like, ah, there's no way. And then we heard it again. And then there was a buck over there raking a tree. And he's, we're setting a like, kind of like a, we want an easy hunt area that we might potentially kill. <laughs> yeah. And the deer is closer to the truck than we are. <laughs> and he's 25 yards off the field edge bedded. We're like, there's no way there's a buck bedded over there, bedded right there. You know what I mean? Yep, and I don't know how many mm-hmm. pictures we. I probably got a handful of pictures personally sent to me. Um, since everybody's been going deep, these guys are sending me pictures of truck cams that got to, between the road and two hundred yards in, and there's booners. There's booners there. Yeah, you know. So you're going gotta, where the people aren't. Going. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a hundred percent. Yeah. So. Oh, maybe we just need to. We thought we were thinking outside the box. We got to go way out. We gotta break out the crayons. Oh. <laughs> That's what you need to make it some Dan Johnson crayons. Those would sell like crazy. <laughs> this is how you kill them right here. Oh, but yeah, that's what we need to do. Way outside the box, simple stuff. You know, think basic where the people are. But like you said, you still gotta have deer cover. Still gotta have the food. Still gotta have you know does somewhere in the rut. But this is the basic stuff of. And it, like like you said, people want to believe what they believe, and we even seen deer up there, seen deer come out of there, and then still didn't go in there, because we were like, no, he's, he's got to be over here, he's got to be over here, he's got to, <laughs> you know what I mean? But we seen him come yeah. out of there, you know what I mean? So, I think I was banking too much on your trail cams. Yeah, banking too much that's on what, trail that's cams. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Banking too much on past yeah, knowledge and trail yeah. cams and encounters, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think one one thing too is like the last thing is people uh, just need to let it happen. You know what I mean? Um, you're not going to be a big buck killer overnight. You know, you're not going you're not going to just have this all of a sudden you have success immediately. It's something that happens over time, and uh, because of circumstances, and you kind of gotta pay your dues. Um, and I think if you just sit back and have fun and just go hunt, you know, and and try new things, try all that, but don't let it get to your head. Don't get frustrated. Don't get angry. Just have fun. And you find yourself getting pissed off or something, take a couple days off of hunting. But I think if a guy just goes out there and has fun, does his thing and tries to advance and tries to learn and tries to get better. But does it with the mindset of if I get one, I get one. If I don't, I don't. I I think he'll get there. But I think if you're always getting angry, always getting pissed off, always getting frustrated, that's the kind of guy who's never going to get there because he's just gonna he's just gonna uh, never think right because he's gonna let it get inside of his head. Yeah, the power to kill is strong. If we had a season yeah. where I was just like, don't care if I kill, we're gonna do a bunch of radical stuff. You would learn. <sighs> 10 times the amount that you did doing the same stuff that you did last year. You might learn that, okay, I'm never doing that again. Mm-hmm. But then that tactic would never be in the back of your head like, well, what if I did this crazy <laughs> shit? You know what I mean? Yeah. You'd never be yeah. like, ah, you know, maybe if I did this. And then you do it, you'd be like, yeah, that was no. That was no go. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then you know. So if you did went into a season like, I'm just going to do a bunch of stuff. I'm going to try this, try that. If I kill, I kill. If I don't, I don't. Man, it, your season would be way Probably better. Probably up your game. Yeah, and you would up your knowledge for sure. 
You might not kill, but you would definitely, especially if you did it on a property where, like ours, where there's all these little spots that you could hunt every day of the year, of the season, and not cover that area. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard if you got, say you got 40 hunts, to be like, where am I going to put my 40 hunts at? You know what I mean? And with that, our place being so constrictive on time, you might have 20 hunts out there. You know what I mean? Right. So it closed, you know, the season closes weird there. So if you did 20 random hunts out there, <laughs> just random ass sits all over the place, you'd be like, not coming back here, not coming back here. Okay, this spot was pretty solid. I'm going to go try this over there. But <laughs> what I think you get caught in is you're like, oh, this place was solid. Tomorrow it's going to be, Bad. there's always some excuse. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be four degrees cooler. <laughs> like there's something that's going to yeah. bring you back to that. Ah, oh, man, this spot's going to be. And then when you find that spot, you go five days, you don't see a shooter. Then you see a shooter. You're like, oh, man, I'm right on the edge. I'm just going to tweak. But then 200, 300 yards that way, it's money. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's really hard to yeah. pack up and roll out of a decent spot. For sure. You know what I mean? Especially in October. Yeah. And not for me. <laughs> not for you, I, I, no. I'm constantly moving. Yeah, you got to figure it out. I hunt the same spot twice in a year. I mean, there might be like one spot I hunt three times in a year. And every other spot is a new spot every time. Out of 86. That's crazy. You know, um, nice. And and there's a good reason why I set that spot three times. I'm seeing something, you know, mm-hmm. something's there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, there's something I was gonna say. What was it? Oh, I was gonna I was gonna tell you about. Um, a lot of your success has to do with your partners too, and who you hunt with. You know, whether you hunt with a asshole who's always angry and brings you down, <laughs> or you hunt with somebody who's real aggressive and and kind of pushes you to the side or tells you what to do or influences how you think for me. Um, I mean, if you get the right partner who's on the same mindset, it can be really fun hunting and it, and it can be really, really good. But for me, my best hunting has been alone. When I ditch my buddies and go in for the kill, then I'm, I'm on, I'm on total focus and I'm not worrying about if they're thinking about me getting out in time or where I'm hunting or, I'm not worrying about those guys. I'm just worrying about me. That's when I kill big stuff. Yeah, I could definitely see you know? that. Mm-hmm. We're, we're kind of like that where, you know, we're kind of talking about together where we're going to set up, and we're doing it to ourselves this year is, you know, we're hunting the same tree, filming, you know, doing that thing. We love hunting together, but you're always – you want to hunt somewhere, but you don't want to screw the guy for the morning hunt that's going to be his hunt. So you're always in the back of your mind thinking, well, where can I possibly sit where the morning might be good? You know what I mean? You're not trying to be like, this is an evening spot. I know it's an evening spot. You know, the morning's going to be junk. Unless you're packing up your stand and every day. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times Mm -hmm. we're packing in, hanging in the morning, hunting. You know, if we see sign, we're hunting there again or we're leaving at noon hunting somewhere else in the evening and then you got the evening hunt well you're it's a brand new spot so you get the evening the evening was decent well what's the morning going to be like here you know i mean it's hard to pack up from an area you don't know and i think that'd come with just hunting the same ground you know year after year after year you get to know like okay this is not a morning spot at all we gotta pack up everything 
and leave. And, uh, you know, we could hang stands out on this public, but we just decided that we wanted to hunt. How many? We did 18, 18 different areas, right? Yeah. 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 So we did 18 different areas, you know, and tried to really figure the place out. And we did. We figured out a ton, you know what I mean? And there's spots. The only thing about having a hung stand is, man, it's hard to hang right next to a hung stand. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you have a hung stand, you kind of own that area. That's something we talked about. You know, it's like, man, if you get, if you hang a stand, even if you don't hunt that stand, the potential for someone else to be within a hundred yards of that area, pretty low. For sure. So I might just be hanging some dummy sets. <laughs> be like, okay, I'm going to hang it right here. They got a cushion and no one else is going to be here. But it's actually just so my trail cam stays fresh. Yeah, it's just actually so no one else comes in here and hunts when I'm not here. Because I'm not going to hang in that tree. I'm about to hang one about 10 foot high, two sticks. You know what I mean? Like Totally visible. Totally visible. Yeah. Someone's like, man, I'm not going over there. You know what I mean? And then I'll just go in there and hang somewhere completely different. We need to do that. Just litter. Yeah. We can have one apiece out there. So we'll just... <laughs> One one hanging, one packing and out, so we can hang right. one apiece. We just own two areas, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? We do the same thing. You walk into a spot, you see a stand or two, you're like, ah, man, you never know how much they're hunting. You don't know what's going on. You're like, this guy could have been here the last four days. Am I going to waste a hunt here? And, you know, it, with, you know, in the situation you are where you, you get to hunt a lot of days, it's, you know, it's a blessing and it's a curse, I think, because you're at that point where, like, you're like, I got a lot of days. I'll just try a new new, new spot area. every yeah, day. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then keep bopping around. With us, we're always like, do we want to waste a spot over there in case it's just no deer? You know what I mean? Or do you want to stick? Yeah, with you, you know what? I, I might hunt 80, 80 days in a year, maybe even more than that. I don't waste a hunt. Every yeah. one of them's a focused hunt. I mean, like like you said, like if you go in in the evening, it's a good evening spot, but you're gonna leave a set for the morning, so you got got some place to go in the morning. If if I don't believe in that spot in the morning, I'll go out and I'll scout all morning and find another spot for the evening or maybe a spot where I think it'll be good the next morning. But I'm going to have a, a, a reason for every spot that I hunt. It's it's just in my head and in my uh, DNA. I can't go sit in a spot if I don't believe in it. I just, I can't. Yeah, I feel like that's where we I have fail, to have so. a reason to hunt the spot. I'm, I'm hunting a deer, and I have to have a reason. Why do I think he's going to be here? It's something in, in my DNA where I have to have, you know, I have to reason that that deer's going to be there, or there's a high likelihood of it. Um, I actually go out in my hunts, and I, I, I think I kind of believe on every single hunt that deer I'm after is going to show up. And then when it doesn't, I make up some reason why it didn't, and I go on to the next spot. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's where we fail. We're always thinking like, okay, I don't know if this is the right spot, but we just got to be out here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In case yeah. something happens. You know, in case a man I, I just feel like uh, I, I gain so much intel and I do so much better if I if I put the scout in and I figure something out. So I think my scouting does more for me than my hunting. So if I'm not on to something, I'm, I'm just going to stay on my feet until I am. I mean, I can remember... Uh, several hunts every year that I go out in the evening to hunt. And when I get to the spot that I've, I've, I'm thinking is going to be good and I don't see the sign I want, I keep going. And I start looking for spots. I end up walking around the whole afternoon because I never find what I want. I just go home. 
All right, so that has happened to you. (laughs) I was like, we did do that one time. Yeah, we we, yeah, we done that where we're like, this is no good. We're and we packed out and we were out. We're at the truck like five minutes to shooting light. Yeah, like (laughs) that was terrible. I've also, you you know, one of the things I've done that that really helps me, especially if I'm on a trip someplace like a travel trip, I'll go and just scout my ass off. Like I'll get there in the morning. And I'll just go scout and scout and scout and scout and then hunt the best spot in the evening. And there's been times when you find like five spots that are good and you're like, well, now I got my scent in all of them. <laughs> where, where am I going to go? Or, you know, but when you got two or two or three days hunting that area, what does it matter if you burn out all those areas? As long as you're getting a yeah. great spot for that evening, you know? Yeah. That's something like ours, you know, you only got eight days. Yeah. If you burn it out, like. If he's on the neighbors and he gets, if he's on private and gets killed, he's on private and gets killed. You got to get in there and try to kill him. Yeah. Man, we we learned a lot like talking I, to you, man. This is this has been motivational. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I jumped in uh, my truck uh, about a week ago or so. Head down to Indiana. I went down for. Uh, um, I got down there in time to hunt for the evening, hunt the morning, hunt an evening, and come back home. So you better bet that a lot of that spent scouting and figuring out where your next hunt's going to be. You know, making sure that each hunt is 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 good. You know, cover a lot of ground. Yeah, I but guess I'll do that in the weekend. I, say, I, guess I don't even have a full weekend. I I drove six hours to get down there, six hours to get back, and did three hunts. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Something to take away is just you know, make sure you your hunt is a good hunt. Yeah, don't have any BS hunts. Right. You know I mean, make sure you're there's right. a calculated right. reason. That's an important there. thing. I mean. And I see that a lot, and and I kind of see that with, with, with what you were saying about yourself. But I see it a lot with my friends and stuff, where they just feel like they got to be in a tree, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe sometimes. Well, you certainly ain't going to kill one walking around scouting, are you? But mm-hmm. you might kill one tomorrow from you scouting today, or, sure. or this evening, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's something that you know, and 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 you're not only you're not only learning stuff for this year when you're doing that scouting, you're learning stuff for, you know, next year and the year after that. You know what I mean? If you set in that one stand and you think that you're going to have a bad hunt and you had a bad hunt, you didn't see any deer, you didn't learn anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you right. find one area that's decent or you jump a buck in one area, you know what I mean? Just like that spot we jumped that buck, you know, in mm-hmm. the first of November, we know – that there's bucks bedded there, you know, you know what I mean? You just know that, you know what I mean? So and that's a choice that we were like, well, should we sit here all day or should we get down and scout? And we got down and scouted. We ran into the, some of the best sign we've ever seen. Didn't set up on it though. Went, <laughs> went back to the other spot. Didn't see any deer. <laughs> went back to the, exactly what we, wow, this spot's been good in the past. This sign we're not real sure about looks really good, but we're just going to leave it. We did have other hunter pressure there, though. Yeah, other hunter. There's always an excuse for something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a calculated excuse is what we should call it. <laughs> There's a calculated excuse why we're not going to do this. Uh, but, Dan, well, um, before we let you go, I, I've got a pretty funny story just, you know, about, you know, kind of the persona that you have become and, um, you know, the hunting beast and, and whatnot and... On this public piece that we've kind of been talking about this whole time, um, Cody went out and scouted two years ago and found this tree. Um, he was out there scouting in February after season, 
found this tree, found a shed, you know, like 30 yards from it. Um, super really good spot, right? Downwind of doe bedding. And um, then we were out there in the preseason, late summer, got some trail cam set up in the area. And uh, we went out there to hunt the first hunt to go back there. And we had the right conditions, right wind, cold front, October 12th. And we went back there. And um, this tree was kind of in a little swamp marsh deal. It was just a, a little a little blip. And um, when we were out there in the preseason hanging cams, and we had checked the cams before, and then that, that little bowl was dry, we tell it that, that it could hold water because you could see the deer prints in, in it and stuff. And uh, when we went back there on October 12th, it was, you know, 4.30 in the morning. We are trying to get in this tree for the first time ever. And... Um, it's like there five was, foot of deep yeah, water. There was, there was three to four foot of water at the base of the tree, and we couldn't get in it. And then we had to go to our packet backup plan tree, which ended up being the tree where we've had the you know most encounters of the deer. But while we were sitting in that tree, the backup tree for the first time, we didn't really have a great hunt. And about eight in the morning, you know. Deer movements low at that point in October in the morning. And uh, we turned to each other and just kind of was like, you know what? Dan Infall would have gotten that damn tree back <laughs> yeah. there and probably would have killed. Would've, he would have found a log to float on out <laughs> yeah. of that son of a he gun. He would have said, oh, shit, four foot of water? Yeah, I'll get right in that <laughs> yeah. tree. That was about the time you posted a picture with you're in a like, green-ass slop water. I'm like, man, I'm a soft-ass yeah. Dude. <laughs> yeah. I was like hunting beast. That yeah. that's what he is right there. Yeah. Just a beast out here. This four foot of water for four foot. We're like, yeah. no. Nope. And I mean it's like 39, 38 degrees October twelfth with yeah, a twelve like, mile an hour northwest yeah, wind. Like, I mean no, it was, it we're was not, chilly. We're not getting in there. <laughs> and we backed out. But we knew we know you would have been in there, yeah. man. You'd be like, this is where I need to be. I gotta just wait it out. Just wait yep. <laughs> Should have took my pants Hell yeah, off. Yeah, get up there and do it. I should have took my pants <laughs> yeah. off. I could have got the first stick, then we'd have been all right. It would have been all right. And see, he just said, you just got to do it. Yeah, just gotta, That's all you got to do. Just, gotta just do, do it. it. Just think outside That's the box. That's what we said, but we did where the other people are <laughs> and just do it, man. Probably a giant back there. Yeah, probably guaranteed. Probably came in the back door, winded us, never seen him. Yep. Should have been in the tree. 100%. <laughs> Four foot of water, ruined. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, right when we did that, we looked, we were talking, and we were like, man, Dan would have been in that tree 100%. So. Yep. All right, man. Well, we don't want to take up your whole night. We appreciate you so much for coming on and spending some time with us and gracing us with your presence. Um, like I said, I know you've been on a lot of podcasts, and they're probably getting a little bit old for you right now, you know what I mean? But we appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's fun. It never gets old talking about deer hunting. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed that. Um, Dan's been on a ton of episodes, and we tried to bring a different flow for him. Um, maybe not talk about tactics exclusively but just talk about being a killer you know i mean that's something that he definitely is and something we're trying to be but as we covered in this podcast is you know if that isn't something that you want to expire to be you might be better off you know i mean Mm. just doing your own thing and learning and uh growing at your own pace is really important and uh enjoying the process is super important too and that's something that we need to work on you know doing a little better so Always try to do the right thing, leave a legacy, and white till legacy is out.